You guys, welcome to episode 93 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives in the well-known and more importantly not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, a sweaty, stressed out Troy McKinney. <laughs> and I am uh, joined here today by, first of all, a very patient woman, a woman with a lot of patience in class because I've had some technical issues today that, uh, that could kill a man. Um, but Riley, go ahead and introduce yourself. How are you? Hi, everyone. Um, I am also a little bit sweaty, a little bit stressed out. <laughs> it's, it's been a journey to get here, but I'm so glad to finally make it. It has been a journey. Thank you so much for being patient. I was just like, like I was a woman, like, I was just like a scattered secretary just now with nine <laughs> arms, a pencil in my ear, like just a mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. So <laughs> but we made it. We did make it, and I'm so excited about this episode. First of all, you came up with uh, the couple that we're talking about today, and I feel like the past few weeks, like, I don't know who the fuck I think I am. I've been very hoity-toity, like, pinkies up, talking about Gwyneth Paltrow for, like, three weeks in a row, and uh, I needed to get back to my, like, Flavor Flav, like, roots, and uh, you came up with the idea of talking about Mama June and Sugar Bear today, and, like, I couldn't be more excited. I am so excited to talk about just truly one of the like royal couples of reality TV. Yes. And like, I do just want to start by saying that that specifically is the reason that I'm so excited to do this with you. Um, because you also have a podcast that I just binged <laughs> and I am obsessed with. Uh, do you want to say, tell the people the name of your pod? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I host Snap Back to Reality. Um, and basically, it's a, a deep dive, a revisit of all of our favorite reality shows that we grew up with in like the early 2000s. Um, so sometimes I revisit shows that I knew and I loved. And sometimes I watch shows that I've never seen before and kind of give my impression like in the modern era. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun to go back and like watch everything and just relive those wonderful years of iconic reality television. Yeah, you have a very, I mean, like, I respect you because I feel like you and I are very similar in the sense that you find a lot of, like, importance and uh, um, a lot of, like, weight in things that most people find really trivial and easy to write off. Mm -hmm. Um, I just listened to your uh, Surreal Life episode, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was amazing. Like, I just actually watched many episodes of the Surreal Life, and I feel like you did... Uh, such a good job of like just chronologically telling what happened but like also just how weird it is to watch a show like that in 2019 yeah yeah it's fun because i like can always you know find those things that are going on in the background and try to see like you know what's happening when when is the editing like fucking with us that kind of thing because i feel like back then we were so naive and we just didn't realize what was truly going on behind the scenes so now it's like fun to like go back and say like okay that was definitely producers like telling them to talk about that or asking that question or whatever yeah for sure especially a show like that because they it's like the goal you realize when you get older is like the goal is for them to be laughed at and made fun of and look stupid and exploited and, you know, whatever addiction issues they have. It's like, let's really just like exploit all of that on national television. Oh yeah. Um, and again, that's why <clears throat> this is another really interesting couple. And then this family has been a part of, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm like kind of sick. I have to apologize. Oh, this family, fine. they've been a part of, a uh, of two shows that, well, I guess you, three now, but like the, the main two, Here Comes Honey Boo Boo and uh, Toddlers and Tiaras, um, two shows that are just, I mean, the exploitation is 
out of this world. Like they have been exploited in a way that I don't think many reality TV people can even say that they have. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, and I just um, I watched the more recent, I guess we want to call it Mama June content. So I did watch um, I watched a few episodes of her season of Marriage Boot Camp, and I watched a few. I watched the entire first season of Mama June from Not to Hot. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's like the exploitation continues to this day because hot, Not to Hot. I always want to say it, Hot Not, but it's the reverse. Um, that's still airing, so they're yeah. still like milking this family. Yeah, and now she's TLC's... Is she on WeTV or TLC? It's WeTV. Okay, I figured. I literally could tell just from the graphic of the opening. I'm like, that's a WeTV graphic. <laughs> um, but like now she's WeTV's like Frankenstein. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where they're like, let's trot her out now. And like, she's lost all this weight. And it's just, it's wild. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and start and do some housekeeping. And then I have 9,000 questions for you. And I hope that you're ready. Oh my gosh, let's do it. <laughs> so Mama Bear... I, Mama Bear? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that's, the the, that's their Brangelina, Mama Bear. <gasps> Holy shit. Did they have a couple name? They do now. Oh my God. Holy shit. You know what I always say? Names pick you. Um, <laughs> Mama June and Sugar Bear, Mama Bear, started dating uh, sometime in 2004. Um, they uh, were separated in September of 2014. So they were together for a long time. Um, June and Sugarberg rose to fame, as we talked about, in, uh, I mean, after Alana was selected by the producers of Toddlers and Tiaras um, to appear in a spinoff show in 2012. And even though they aren't like the first couple that you think of when you, I don't know, I, th- I think that they're not, a, they're not the first couple that a lot of people would think of when they think of iconic reality television couples, but they had a major impact on pop culture and they've now june has had several shows Mm -hmm. uh you know she was the breakout star of her daughter's breakout star tv show um so it's very layered and you know they had this very public breakup that ended up being very sort of like you know old school john and kate and you know i always say i always talk on this i always end up talking about hillbillies on this podcast somehow um (laughs) but they are such a prime example of this weird fascination that we have in this country with impoverished people. And, you know, especially I was talk about this fact that I read about how, you know, during financial strife in this country, during low points where we feel jobless and moneyless, we like to watch people roll around in the mud. And, uh, you know, they, they perfectly sort of encompass all of those, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, too, because it almost felt like with the advent of Here Comes Honey Boo Boo, it was like almost a redneck renaissance Mm -hmm. in America, like in American culture. And there was like this fascination, like Duck Dynasty and all these others, you know, things that were happening in the media and pop culture. It's just like was this other slice of life that suddenly everyone in the mainstream became super fascinated with. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I don't think people really um, a remember or b um, care about is that this show was a pop culture phenomenon. Like you look back on it now, and it's something that people just kind of like kind of shrug their shoulders at. But during its peak, if that whole scandal wouldn't have happened, if the show wouldn't have gotten canceled, um, you know, this was in that like Jersey Shore. The whole country's talking about this one thing you know, Honey Boo Boo is a cultural reference for like every late night joke. You know, this was a a really big deal in this country. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I figured we could start by talking about Mama June. Um, there's not, I mean, look, we're not talking about like Julia Roberts this week. We're talking about uh, June Thompson and uh, Sugar Bear. There's not a ton as far as their backstory, but there there is some uh, some interesting stuff that I think is worth mentioning. Um, so June, aka June Shannon, uh, she was actually born in McIntyre, Georgia, and uh, she, you know she's got a really problematic dating history. It's iconically problematic at this point. It's maybe one of the most problematic dating histories in the in all of reality television. Like when you have several pedophiles on your dating list, it's like you win. Like she you are has a type. I mean, <laughs> that's an understatement. Like truly, she loves a man that is just on the brink of being put away for his lifetime. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Like she's a true down ass bitch though. Um, and she, you know, her, her dating history, which kind of became the catalyst for, well, it didn't kind of become, it was the catalyst for uh, her family's show being canceled. And then she got pregnant with her daughter, Anna, AKA chickadee when she was 14. And she ended up giving birth a few days after her 15th birthday uh, her second daughter, Jessica, a.k.a. Chubbs, uh, was born on October in October of 96. And then that was followed by Lauren, a.k.a. Punkin. Uh, and that was the year 2000. And then there was Alana, who was born in 2005. Um, Jessica and Lauren's biological father, Michael Anthony Ford, is a convicted sex offender. Uh, he was charged with trying to um, exploit oral sex from an underage girl. Um, the charges are actually really insane, and I do have in my notes some, a lot more detail in reference to the charges. Um, but June was also, she also dated a man named Mark McDaniel, who was convicted of abusing her oldest daughter, Anna. Those are the charges that are the most insane. Um, and June was also arrested in 1998 for cashing bad checks and stealing $3,000 from a safe at McDonald's. I mean, it's, you can't write this shit. <laughs> so I also, I think we really do need to address as well that, um, uh, pumpkin and Chubbs, I don't know, should we call them by their given names or their nicknames? I think we should call them by their chosen name. Okay. Pumpkin, I think. Yeah. That's how people know them. All right. Pumpkin and Chubbs. Um, their biological father was also featured on an episode of to catch a predator. No fucking way. That's what I found when I did my research. I didn't like find a clip, but it did say like he was literally on to catch a predator. Oh my God. The irony. I just watched a whole, like I watched like nine episodes of to catch a predator on YouTube the other day. And I, that is so funny. That's crazy. I'm like, synchronicity. <laughs> oh my God. I was channeling my inner mama June. Um, that's nuts. That's gotta be really, really, I mean like I can't even imagine what it would feel like to know that your dad is a convicted sex offender and not even like a quiet one. He's been on several like shows. Isn't Anna's dad like a sex offender too, or just put away or something? Her like dad is, a great guy. Yeah. Her dad is also a sex offender That's and, it. Okay. um, Keep it consistent at least. <laughs> exactly. You can say she's got a type. Um, I do have it somewhere in my notes. I, I'm sure we'll get to it, but, uh, Anna was, the one that was abused uh, when she was little by um, one of June's exes and pumpkin was actually in the room for several occasions of the happening. So it was, this family is really, they've really been put through it and you know, they really represent like we talked about them kind of representing like the hillbilly stereotype of this specific time, but 
it's also the prime example of wanting to put families like this on this pedestal and have them represent some some specific thing. Mm. And when you do that, you're going to get all the things eventually. Like a family like this from McIntyre, Georgia, who eats sketty, which is ketchup and butter. Uh, I mean, like... They- all right, before we get too far, though, Troy, I do have to say I am from the South, and I'm pretty sure it's pronounced McIntyre. Oh, is it not McIntyre? What did I say, McIntyre? I think you said McIntyre, and it's, it's definitely it's McIntyre, I'm pretty sure. But you got to, like, put in the R. <laughs> Sorry, the Ohio jumped out that hard A. McIntyre. <laughs> uh. McIntyre. <laughs> my, my family is literally like my mother is literally from like South Georgia, like around where the Honey Boo Boo family is. Um, I didn't grow up there, but I the accent like runs in my blood. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny because you have such a. I mean, you sound like Siri. Your accent is so clear. <laughs> I know it's really funny because I'm like super neutral American, but occasionally you get those words where like the twang will jump out. Yeah, I love it. <clears throat> Mine is most, I sound like a teenage Valley girl. And then other times I sound like a, just a really hardcore Midwesterner. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, like I said, they don't really have really intense, uh, they have intense past, but they don't have like this layered story like they're normal people. Um, Sugar Bear is an interesting case. There's little to no information about him on the internet outside of the fact that he was in a relationship with June. But I do want to point out that he was arrested in 1998 for robbing a series of campsites and setting fire to at least one. Oh my God. Yeah. Sugar Bear, (laughs) he he is extremely violent. Um, Not to skip ahead, but later I, I do want to get into the fact that Sugar Bear on the show has been portrayed as this sweet, lovable, you know, hillbilly mm-hmm. who loves his family and loves Alana and, you know, is kind of submissive to June and whatever. When in reality, he is like a little psychopath. Like he is an abusive psycho. And they were hiding all this stuff, you know, and that's what I mean. It's like families like this that producers love to exploit. It's like you can only hide those things for so long. And, we found out much later that the producers actually did know a lot of what was going on. And they knew that he was being abusive to the kids. They knew that he was hitting them and that he had punched, you know, pumpkin a few times in her face. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of coming up with ways to write storylines so that the public wouldn't know, which we'll get to. Um, But I just, I I find the sugar bear of it all very fascinating. Yeah. He really is like just an interesting character, an interesting like psychological archetype to kind of study just like that two faces, those two sides. Yeah. Of just like the stereotypical, cause you look at him and you see a cliche, but there's like <laughs> so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, so June and Sugar Bear met on an AOL chat room in 2004. Allegedly they exchanged sexy photos or smexy as uh, June would say. And uh, she invited him over within a few hours of meeting Um June has been pretty public about the fact that initially she wasn't really attracted to Sugar Bear. Um, He referred to it as love at first sight. And June also stated that her attraction to him initially was because he really seemed to love her children. He was like a really doting guy, even though he didn't have kids of his own at the time. Um, And they ended up giving birth to uh, Alana on August 28th of 2005. Um, and a year into their relationship, Alana, um, uh, who is Sugar Bear's biological father, 
uh, he, I don't know, this is a really weird thing. And I, this is another thing that I kind of wrote in my notes and wanted to get your opinion on. Mm-hmm. So the show, another kind of weird lie that they present is that he, you know, was this doting dad to Alana, but also that he had like really taken the other girls under his wing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a year into the relationship, he had really kind of taken on the father role to all of them. Um, and it's fascinating because then you find out after the show's over that they hated him and that he barely actually even had a relationship with Alana. Um, and the whole thing was a farce. I feel so bamboozled. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird because even into the more recent stuff of like the Mama June show on WeTV, he's still portrayed on screen in the same kind of like he loves his daughter and you know the, the whole drama of the first season. I don't know if we, you're familiar is that Mama June hates his new fiance um, yeah. and his fiance wants Alana to be in the wedding, but she doesn't want June to be there. And it's all this drama, but Sugar Bear is still just portrayed as like this kind of sweet guy who's just stuck in the middle, who wants a relationship with his daughter, but he also like has his new wife to contend with. And then you get to the, the season finale at the end and Alana comes out and says that he hasn't been a father to her. And, you know, June uh, accuses him of all of that uh, physical abuse and explains, you know, the abuse that happened to Pumpkin and how he, like, hit her in her eye and caused, you know, an eye buckle or whatever she called it. Um, And then he even explodes on screen and, like, has a huge um, blow up and basically, like, shoves shoves a door open, uh, tries to hit Pumpkin. Like, it looks like he's going to go after Pumpkin. Pumpkin's, like, trying to go after him. They're both being held back by security. And uh, his new wife is just sitting there acting like this has never happened before. This is so shocking. I can't believe that he would do this. And it's just like, this is obviously who he is as a person. It did not even take him that long to be pushed to that. Yeah. I mean, that was so fascinating. I've not watched a ton of that show. I do want to go back and watch it, but I did see that. And I mean, it was like looking into... I don't even know, like, it was like a bird's eye view into what they deal with all the time because he literally snapped after, like, one or two sentences that he didn't like hearing. Yeah, it was wild. It was insane. And he snapped in a way that, I mean, it would take a normal person hours to get that mad, like, kicking stuff and trying to punch through walls and chasing after people. He ripped the buttons off of his shirt. Yes! Oh, I completely forgot about that. He, like, hulked out, literally hulked out. He ripped his shirt open and, like, beat his chest. Like, he went into full, like, uh, ape mentality. Like, he went into early man territory. Yeah. Um, uh, Now, there is no talking about this family, to be honest with you, without talking about one of... I mean, this is a really dark thing to say, and I just have to start... Before we even get into talking about Tyler's and Tiara's, I have to start by saying that in the early 2000s, before I was a woke individual, I was a fan of this show. I watched it religiously. I was obsessed. And to me, back then, I was an idiot, and I viewed reality TV exactly how they wanted me to. And I was, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I just thought it was funny. Um, Did you watch this show? I absolutely watched Toddlers and TR. Okay, thank Um, God. It was, I mean, that I was probably, I was in, like, high school when it was airing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was, you know, an asshole high schooler. And I knew that it was gross. You know, I I think we there was that conversation that was happening, like, concurrently with the show airing about, like, this is exploitation and child pageants are really sick. 
Um, but of course I like, I don't know. It was like a train wreck that I couldn't look away from. It was so fucking funny. And like, to be honest with you, it was exploitative, obviously. And it, 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 you know, looking back, it's like, this is disgusting, especially I would always notice that there were so many like men in the audience that didn't have children that just like come to view the pageant scene. Wow. I fully was like so naive to that, but that makes absolute sense. Oh, when you go back and rewatch, there are just dozens of men with coats in their laps, like sitting in the audience alone, no families, no wives, no nothing, just alone in the far back row, just watching. Mm -hmm. Um, but so the family applied to be on the show via an online casting call. And according to Tom Rogan, who was the executive producer of this show and flipping out, which is insane, uh, the juxtaposition between those th- two things. But uh, he said that Alana had just immediately jumped off screen. He knew immediately that she was somebody that they would want to move forward with beyond um, toddlers and tiaras. Uh, the Thompsons appeared on the show in August of 2012. And, you know, they became one of the handful of memorable, like spinoff worthy families. And, you know, I mean, they have those iconic moments like Alana with her go-go juice and eating the 15 pixie sticks, um, you know, and these things that kind of became pop culture memes in 2012. But the thing that I kind of find really fascinating and that I always loved about this family is that Toddlers and Tiaras is a show And I think even everybody who watched that show watched it through the lens of like, I wonder which one of these families will get the spinoff, you know, and all the families on it had to think the same thing. Like who, who's going to be entertaining enough that they get the spinoff, you know, because it's like every family on that show had potential to have a spinoff reality show of their own. Mm -hmm. And you could... You know what I mean? And there were so many kids on that show that were contenders that I think probably thought, like you had like your Eden Woods who went off to become like an Anna Nicole impersonator. Um, You had all these people on the show or these parents on the show that just kind of like knew, like were grooming their kids for TLC to approach them to get the show. And Alana was probably the last kid that expected that for herself. And, you know, her family was like the last to expect it as well. I'm sure everybody that met them and the pageant circuit didn't expect that they would be the family to get the spinoff show. And they got it. Like the underdog got it, you know? And that's like, I mean, that was part of the reason that they were so appealing is because they were so genuine. Like they were just being themselves and they like had no pretensions. None at all. And, you know, on a show about women, like giving their kids fake teeth and tanning them and giving them like, you know, 90s and 80s like southern updos and putting them in frilly socks and like lace gloves you know for to see before we knew anything about them and to see this woman who has this daughter on stage who's like a little chubby she's chubbier than the other kids and she's so fucking happy and like vivacious and naturally funny you know alana as a kid just had like whatever that thing is that people are born with where they are meant to like attract attention you know she was just meant to be famous and it was so appeal it was just so refreshing to watch her back then yeah they were so charismatic so charismatic and to see june like you know out there like on the fucking uh, basically standing on the stage with her like mimicking her moves and stuff and just like not giving a fuck and being supportive of her daughter who doesn't look like any of the other kids on stage it was very little miss sunshine very yeah and like the fact that she had to clip coupons to even to be able to afford to put alana in the pageants 
Like she was like the underdog. She was the everyman. She was the everyman. Did you have uh did you have like favorites from this show? Because I have a handful of, of uh episodes that will never ever leave my mind. So I don't have like I wasn't I wouldn't say I was like a fan, you know, I didn't like watch it religiously. I just kind of watched it when it was on, but I do know because it comes up every year in my Facebook memories that there was one contestant and like, I guess the mom who they were talking about how much they love drag Queens and how RuPaul was their favorite queen. And I was just like, Oh my God, I love these people. It's the, I mean, it was honestly, it was the greatest, but the worst. It was the greatest, worst thing to ever happen to television. I mean, we used to like, I used to quote toddlers and tiaras so often. Kitch, kiss it, smoochie. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, is still very much a part of my uh, vocab. Like, I don't even, I don't even realize anymore when I'm quoting Mama June because she made such an impact on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the conversation surrounding this show during this time, like you said earlier, was very like, should we be watching this? Is this exploitation? If anything, it's a good thing that this show aired because I don't think a lot of people knew that the pageant circuit was so, for children, was still so, you know, high and mighty. I mean, like, it is still just like a crazy giant industry that makes so much money and it's so weird and gross and problematic. Um, but here comes Honey Boo Boo premiered on after. Well, obviously they became the breakout stars. They were approached to do their own show um, by that guy that I mentioned earlier, who also produces Flipping Out. Um, so here comes Honey Boo Boo premiered in August of 2012 uh, to 2.2 million viewers and became one of TLC's highest rated shows of all time. Um, I actually read that 3 million people watched this show during the 2012 Republican convention, <laughs> which is insane and it also tied in ratings for the democratic convention meaning at the same time that bill clinton was giving like a speech uh the same amount of people were watching this family and they were watching alana squeeze her belly in her interview (laughs) chair and it's very telling of how we got to where we are right now and how naive we were i mean so if i wasn't a toddlers and tiaras fan i absolutely was a here comes honey boo boo fan so tell me about your introduction to this show so i remember i mean i remember seeing alana's episode of toddlers and tiaras and then i remember seeing the commercials for here comes honey boo boo and i like remember thinking like this is fucking ridiculous but again it was just that I, I was drawn to it and I couldn't look away. And I remember being like in college, I think it was like my freshman year or something. And I was, it was studying for finals and it was like my reward was after I studied for finals was I was going to go and watch the first season of here comes honey boo boo. I mean, like it was must see TV, which is weird to say now because it doesn't seem like it would be. And we're so far removed from it. But at the time this was a, giant event like this show happening was a big deal people were excited Mm -hmm. to watch this and it didn't disappoint that was the thing it wasn't a show that you watched the first episode and you were like oh maybe i'll watch this again it was riveting it was riveting in that way that you never forget your first time watching a specific show oh yeah oh yeah i can remember like this individual episodes of season one it was so good and it was so refreshing and it was interesting to realize while the show was airing that this was a show, obviously, where these people were being exploited and 
Um, I have some stuff in my notes where I talk about them editing in, you know, like fart noises and stuff and like really going out of their way to make them look stupid. But they also gave this show this sort of like, I guess it would be like the TLC spin that it's like, no matter what, we're still family. And it was the wholesomest. They loved each other. Mm -hmm. They accepted each other. They were comfortable with each other and free to be who who they were. And they lived in an environment that it, it it may not have been like, I I don't know if I would want to roll around on mama June's floor in that house, but like they felt so comfortable with each other and they were allowed to be whoever they wanted to be in that house. Yeah. There was no judgment. There was no shame. I mean, they had in the first season, Anna was pregnant, whatever. It's a pregnant teenager. That's fine. Mm -hmm. They had uncle poodle. Okay. He's gay. That's fine. Like it was very I mean, semi-progressive, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uncle Poodle, what did did Alana refer to him as, like, um, fruit in his tank? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't there one that was like, there's nothing wrong with being a little gay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually wrote down a quote from, where did I get this quote from? Oh, this is a quote from um, from the producer of the show. Um, or this is an interview that he did, actually. It looks like it's with Huffington Post. Um, it's like a little clip from the post where it said, uh, Tired responses to reality television masks what the show actually offers. A combination of relentless, cruel mocking and remarkable insight into a subculture and family that embraces who they are fully and without reservation. Going to the department store, a.k.a. a dumpster, or letting a pig walk and poop and then and then walk through their kitchen table. The series was made for the era of social media. media. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast. You'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week. You'll get Liz Bentley's Feathers in My Hair, which is the Teen Mom podcast. Um, You'll get me and Molly's uh, Brittany and Kevin Chaotic special. You'll get all the stuff that Molly does exclusively through Patreon. It's well worth it. And also, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, go to mollyandthepsychos.com. It'll take you straight to it. And uh, all we do all day and all night is talk about reality TV. It's super fun. So, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com.